It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN as we take a look at the well, the stuff, the news that we're going to talk about in the next couple hours here on the midday program. Scott Foster here with you along with Jason Jorgensen and Bob Brogan as uh, we start uh, taking a look at things and lots of stuff going on. Of course, a very busy weekend. And let's begin by talking to Susan Littlefield and see what she's got for us. Susan? Well, thanks, Scott. Here's what's happening on the midday on this Monday from the farm team. At 1219, Alex is going to tell us more about an upcoming dairy experience forum that's going to be held with the Midwest Dairy. She'll be talking to their CEO, Molly Pelzer. Then at 1245, we're going to hear from the Foreign Ag Service Ambassador as he talks not only about the WASDE report, but how they've been dealing with COVID-19 and reaching out to potential customers. And then Rebel will wrap everything up at 117 as NAYI finished up this last week on a virtual. So she'll give us a full recap. That's on the midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Jason Jorgensen now. Jason, uh, the uh, in a lot of discussion about what's going to happen, and we might learn a lot more today after the SEC meets. Well, well, we'll learn if they have a plan or not, which I'm sure they do. Uh, but all 14 of their uh, athletic directors are meeting today in Birmingham to discuss the potential of football. Now, the other conferences in the BCS, uh, Power 5, they're not real happy with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 last week coming out saying they were going to play a conference-only schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't really know what they expected the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to say, or maybe there wasn't enough communication there between all parties, but uh, some folks were kind of taken aback by that. Talk about that uh, coming up in sports. Also, we'll talk about the uh, Royals. They've announced today that they've scheduled three exhibition games leading up to their season opener next Friday on the 24th. Major League Baseball has allowed teams to do this, meet up with some other teams and decide to play and have some exhibition games. Uh, not that any fans will be there. Right. But I don't blame these teams for wanting to... You know, you normally have spring training where all of your stuff is against other opponents, whereas this year it's been Royals against Royals, Rockies against Rockies. So a few exhibition games thrown in there. And we'll tell you about uh, current Husker Shea Shaneman. The Grand Island native continues to dazzle for the Hastings Sidebusters. Yesterday, he struck out 12 in their 2 nothing win over Western Nebraska. In three starts this year, he has an ERA under 2 and has struck out 32 in 15 and a two-thirds of an inning. Yikes. Yeah. That's Throwing pretty, the heat. Yeah. That's a pretty sounds, good number. Sounds like his curveball was working yesterday. We'll get his thoughts on that. All right. Very good. I, breaking pitches. I could <laughs> never, I never touched him. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan as we look at business. And it looks like uh, stocks are up today, Bob. Stocks higher as traders start off a busy week for company earnings reports on a positive note. Um, Also, Quest Diagnostics is seeing growing demand for its COVID-19 testing services, though it's at a cost. And uh, PepsiCo is saying that its snack sales rose in the second quarter. Of course, lots of folks quarantined at home and watching television and so forth but at the same time their beverage sales declined so um you know people sat home and kind of commiserated uh during the uh, covid 19 pandemic well i did my part bob i don't know what else i tried uh, to do my part that's all coming up on 
Time for us to check in on our weather and see what's going on out there for agriculture for us and around the world. We're here with Paul Perkins in studio with us. Could be kind of an interesting day today. Yeah, pretty good chance of some severe weather across much of the region, at least most of us in at least a slight risk of severe storms, but a large majority of our area in an, in an enhanced risk of severe storms for today. Yeah, it looks like a lot of us in there. Now, this is this is going to be coming out of the Kansas area, probably? or, or where do you Actually, think it's starting be- out west, some thunderstorms expected to fire right near a cold front from about Wyoming to Colorado. Gotcha. And then that front... Kind of like what we saw last week, um, one day when we had a big cold front move through the middle of the week, uh, interact with some hot air in advance of it, and going to give us some good chances at some thunderstorms. Some much drier air already out west. Uh, dew points currently in the low to mid-40s as you head into the Nebraska Panhandle, but most of us right now with dew points currently in the mid to upper 60s. Our actual air temperatures for right now sending into the low to mid-80s for the most part across the area. Some upper 70s on into the Nebraska Panhandle. You team up that temperature with the humidity, it makes it feel like it's mostly about in the mid to upper 80s, so not adding a whole lot to that temperature. For today, just ahead of a cold front, you're going to see plenty of sunshine, slightly above average temperatures on into the 90s. Thunderstorms erupting near that cold front will track to the southeast late this afternoon through tonight. Storms could go severe with much of the region and at least a slight risk of severe storms from the Storm Prediction Center. There's a higher or enhanced risk in Nebraska along and west of a line from Bartlett to Grand Island, Hastings, and Franklin. So much of west central and central Nebraska in this enhanced risk of severe storms. And once again, that in enhanced risk is along and west of a line from Bartlett to Grand Island, Hastings, and Franklin. On the scale of potential for severe weather, that is a three from one to five. In Kansas, the enhanced risk over much of northwest and north central Kansas are along and west of a line from Phillipsburg to Hill City and Grinnell. The greatest risk will include damaging wind gusts of 60 to 80, hail up to two and a half inches possible. The severe weather risk starting to wind down after one o'clock in the morning. We do have more on that severe weather risk on our KRVN Facebook page. Additional thunderstorms possible for tomorrow night with a disturbance rolling in from the west, but not as great of a chance with thunderstorms in. Some of those may be strong to marginally severe to the south of I-80. In behind this cold front, tomorrow and Wednesday, temperature is 10 degrees cooler than usual, going to get a nice break from the heat. Thursday looks to be a transition day with seasonal temperatures. We'll see temperatures in the 90s and mainly dry weather close out the week into the weekend with a building ridge of high pressure that comes back with a pretty serious vengeance. In the long-term forecast, as we head into the time of year when we experience the warmest temperatures, above normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the U.S. this weekend through July 26th. Not only is it going to be the warmest time of the year, we're going to be warmer than normal for that time period. On a slightly fortunate note, most of Nebraska forecast to be near normal on rainfall this weekend through the 26th. South of Vaidi into all of Kansas expected to be drier with mostly below normal rainfall. Key weather factors in the market include an improved chance for rain in the Midwest and wheat yield questions in Russia due to dry weather. A slow-moving cold front will spark widespread thunderstorms across the plains and upper Midwest today before it does shift into the midweek into the eastern Corn Belt. Midwest five-day rain totals could reach about one to three inches. The next several days, Midwest temperatures should remain near or slightly below normal. 
Extreme heat will persist the next several days across the southern plains, across the Midwest. Periods of thunderstorms the next week, adding to rain from the past weekend. That is favorable for their pollinating corn and blooming soybeans. Another helping factor will be less extreme heat than the past week. In the southern plains, those thunderstorms still expected for the eastern half. For this week, the western half of the southern plains will remain hot and dry where non-irrigated corn, pasture, and livestock incur is, will continue to incur more stress. The northern plains will see more periods of rain the next week. The rains will combine with seasonal temperatures to benefit spring wheat and row crops. In the Black Sea region of Russia and Ukraine, periods of rain the next seven days will disrupt the wheat harvest, but offer some useful soil moisture for the corn in Ukraine. So for today, as we get back to this a little bit, Paul, it looks like uh, when is it going to kind of come our direction if it does? Most likely in central areas, uh, probably after about 6 o'clock till 1 a.m. Okay. So in western areas, maybe a little bit sooner in the mid to late part of the afternoon. But yeah, this front will be moving through and give us a pretty good chance of some thunderstorms. Right now, we're dry for the most part off to the west. Maybe just a few light showers in northeast Colorado to the northeast of Sterling, but otherwise... Still warm and dry. Some clouds are starting to gather, though, right now in the Nebraska Panhandle. It looks like it could be a good big wind situation mm-hmm. again, huh? Yeah, another wind situation. We've had, it was pretty quiet for severe weather here for a few months, and lately it's just been nonstop uh, chances for severe weather, and a lot of it's been with wind. Yeah, that's something. All right, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather page, krvn.com. District. The third annual Dairy Experience Forum will be held virtually this year. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting. You still have time to get registered for the Dairy Experience Forum, and today we're joined by Molly Pelzer, who is the CEO of Midwest Dairy. Molly, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Alex. Glad to be here to share about the Dairy Experience Forum. Yes, we're excited to learn more. So tell us a little bit about this forum and how it'll look this year. As you mentioned, this is our third annual Dairy Experience Forum that Midwest Dairy has hosted. While we aren't able to meet in person this year, we still feel that the event holds great benefit for farmers and processors, as well as partners of dairy. Um, well, it's everything that's happening this year uh, that's not only impacted dairy, but all food and beverage industry, folks, we are really determined to share how dairy can be an important part of the food system moving forward. What exactly can attendees expect to be doing throughout this day? We have set up the day to have presentations available online virtually, 90-minute segments with a break, and then resume for the last 90 minutes. So we're from 10 to 3.15, and it will be a fantastic opportunity to learn and grow about the consumer's point of view about dairy as we celebrate the third Dairy Experience Forum. As you've been visiting with producers and consumers alike, uh, what are some things that you've been hearing that they want to learn more about? Well, I think with the pandemic, we all realize that Americans are eating differently. I know we are at my household. I imagine most of your listeners have altered their eating habits as well. And we're going to have a fantastic new research shared by IRI about how consumers' purchasing habits have changed during COVID-19. Knowing that, how do we maintain some of that growth and excitement that has happened for milk, cheese, yogurt, butter, and ice cream um, as the pandemic continues? 
Sure thing. We mentioned that this forum will be held this Wednesday, July 15th. When do they need to register to be able to attend this? We'd love to have registrations happen before 5 p.m. on Monday. Uh, that's today at dairyexperienceforum.com. So up until 5 o'clock today. All right, very good. Uh, Molly, as we round out this conversation, what are some other things that we should have on our radar uh, for Midwest Dairy? We are very excited to continue to promote trust and sales for dairy. We know that people are interested in dairy as being a solution for our environment and at our forum as well as the work that we do outside of the forum. We are continuing to share how dairy is a solution for a healthy people and a healthy planet. All right. As we round out this conversation, is there anything we missed? We're looking forward to seeing everyone virtually at the Dairy Experience Forum. Uh, Register today by 5 p.m. at dairyexperienceforum.com. All right. Thank you so much. Again, we've been joined by Molly Pelzer. She is the CEO of Midwest Dairy, talking about the Dairy Experience Forum that will be held virtually coming up this Wednesday, July 15th. And taking a quick look at the agenda, it's going to start with a consumer-focused group and then break out into small group discussions. And then a session at noon will discuss the new normal post-COVID-19 dairy category. And it's going to focus on how e-commerce can be sustained after the pandemic settles. Again, you can register and find the full agenda at dairyexperienceforum.com. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for Midday Sports here at KRVN. Jason Jorgensen is joining us. and Well, Jason, we still don't have an idea if we're going to have college athletics in the fall or not. And SEC sounds like they're going to try to meet and come to somewhat sort of a decision. Yeah, all 14 SEC athletic directors are meeting today in Birmingham to discuss the potential of football in the fall now. I think they were rubbed the wrong way last week with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 already moving away from out-of-conference games. I think that cut them... I don't know, off guard, and they kind of figured they run everything anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, the national champions coming out of there the last several years, they've, you know, they, they you know, I mean, kind of have a little right, I guess. I get it. Uh, but, yeah, but as we've said before, there's, there's a date of reckoning and I think, coming up. I think the biggest issue, and it sounds like other conferences were caught off guard by the Big Ten, we discussed this last week, is they meet every day. Mm-hmm. And then the Big Ten, it went off later in the day and said, hey, we're only playing non-conference. And then I think that's now forcing all the other conferences, unlike the Patriot League or who else, that have been canceled to kind of rethink things. See where it all ends. Kamura Usman retained his UFC welterweight championship with a win by a unanimous decision. The former UNK wrestler is now 17-1 in his career, 12-0 in UFC competition. Of course, he was a national champion wrestler for the Lopers 10 years ago. The Washington NFL team is shedding the Redskins' name effective immediately. That change comes less than two weeks after owner Dan Snyder launched an organizational review amid pressure from sponsors to make the change. No word on what they'll be called next. The Royals announced today they've scheduled three exhibition games leading up to their season opener on Friday, July 24th. The Royals will host the Astros in Kauffman Stadium next Monday and again on Tuesday. Then the club then travels across the state to play the Cardinals at 3 
at Bush Stadium. And Tyler, this has been kind of interesting. Um, originally, these exhibition games were not on the schedule, mm-hmm. but MLB allowed the teams to kind of get together and hammer out their own deal. Well, and it's interesting because they're not playing. I mean, they're they're relatively close mm-hmm. teams that they're playing, but this kind of came out of nowhere. It did. There was no discussion about it. So good for them, though. Royals continue to go through preseason work at Kauffman Stadium, and manager Mike Matheny talks about some of the keys to having some early success. You look at a team like ours, and from the beginning, we've had the conversations. We're going to have to do a lot of little things right. We're going to have to take great pride in, in, in making the routine play. We're going to have to take great pride in getting guys over, getting them in, especially early on. I think the teams that can put the most pressure on on the opposition are, are going to have a great chance of success. The Royals did have another setback over the weekend as the team announced that backup catcher Cam Gallagher tested positive. And Grand Island native and Husker Shea Shaneman continues to have a good summer for the Hastings Sodbusters. Yesterday he struck out 12 in their 2 nothing win over Western Nebraska and he talks about what was working. The slider was more of a slider today than, than other times it's more of a curveball but you know when I can switch it up keep them, up, keep them off balance uh, without even meaning to then I'll, I'll Power to me for that. In three starts this year, he has an ERA of 1.72. He has struck out 32 in 15 innings of work. That's doing work. That's yeah. uh, that's impressive stuff on the mound. So he's able to stay sharp this year for the Sodbusters. And after a slow start, they've started to play much better. And I see they have the lead in their division. Very good. What? How many games have they played so far? They what started at the beginning. They're close of July? to 20 somewhere in there. So and they'll go through what August? Do you think that's the plan? Okay. And then they'll have their championship series. And okay. you know, but hopefully, who knows? I mean, you, these days you can't take anything for granted. <laughs> that's very true. Play it by ear, yep. day by day. All right. Thank you very much. You Jason. bet, Tyler. Pete Ricketts says the key to the president's response to COVID-19 will be to find a way for all of us to live with it. It's something that we're going to have to continue to manage. This is a virus. It's not going to go away. I mean, this is something we have to uh, you know, continue to figure out how we deal with and figure out how we get back to a more normal life so that people can get back to work and get back to doing more of everything that they want to do in their lives. And I think the quicker we can do that, the better it's going to be for the president. The U.S. is reporting over 3.2 million cases of COVID-19. A Creighton University religion professor's tweet referring to a support the police rally as a white supremacist event unleashed a backlash before it was taken down Friday. The Omaha World Herald reports the university issued a statement saying Zachary Smith's view didn't represent the school. Further, the statement said Smith regrets his statement and sincerely apologizes for the offense it has caused. The Creighton University College Republicans condemned Smith's tweet. The Nebraska Supreme Court has rejected a petition to grant all 2020 law graduates a license to practice without taking the bar exam. The Omaha World Herald reports that petition, filed Friday, sought the change in light of the risk posed by law school graduates congregating in one place to take the bar exam. On Saturday, the state's high court ruled against the move, saying the administration of justice does not stop in a emergency. The Nebraska bar exam, which is usually offered two times a year, will proceed as scheduled on July 28th and 29th. Court officials say people taking the exam must test negative for COVID-19 beforehand. Gas prices have gone up again over the last couple of weeks, but just slightly. Trilby Lundberg, the publisher of the Lundberg survey, has the details on where we stand at the pump. 
We have another rise at the pump. This time, just two cents in the past two weeks. The new average for regular is two dollars. It's been 31 cents jump over 11 weeks, but these price jumps have been smaller and smaller over time. The local market with the lowest price per gallon right now is Houston, Texas at $1.79. San Francisco has the current high average at three twenty per gallon, and the current average price of regular unleaded gas in Nebraska is $2.10 a gallon, according to AAA. Nebraska's three largest counties plan to send ballot request forms to every voter before this fall's general election. But it's not yet clear whether those forms will be sent statewide. Officials in Douglas, Sarpy, and Lancaster counties say they are planning to send out the ballot request forms because of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic and because it will help them plan for the election. Nebraska Secretary of State Bob Evnen told the Omaha World Herald he hasn't decided whether to send out ballot request forms. Heavy use of mail-in ballots during the May primary helped the state set a record for turnout when more than 471,000 people voted. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Laird. Learning more today about the role that the Foreign Ag Service has in the monthly WASDE report. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The United Soybean Export Council held a webinar earlier today where Ken Isley, who's administrator of the Foreign Ag Service, joined the call to talk about their role within this WASDE report. In data gathering and analysis, and it's in this last role, data gathering and analysis, where my agency provides a critical role in the monthly WASDE release. As Jim indicated, we have 98 hosts around the world covering 177 countries. It's with that footprint that helps us to gather that data, provide it in with our sister agencies like the National Agricultural Statistics Service and also the Office of the Chief Economist to come together and provide the estimates on global uh, supply-demand balances for key agricultural commodities and for sure including soybeans. I would note that U.S. soybean exports held steady in this report at 44.9 billion tons, despite higher exports from Brazil, which were at a record 89 million tons, particularly driven by record production in Brazil and a lower uh, value of the real. Of course, many, when they look at the WASDE report, wonder globally how the United States is doing. Administrator Isley has more details. Uh, we're predicting production uh, will be down slightly uh, to 362.5 million tons. That despite the fact that U.S. Uh, production is predicted to be up slightly versus last month's estimate. We're getting close to uh, uh, 84 million acres in the U.S., a slight increase from, uh, from last month. Actual number is 83.8. Uh, and the uh, uh, production is up correspondingly with uh, yield at roughly 50 bushels per acre. We export roughly 60% of our soybeans, so key, key data that help drive decision-making, as Jim mentioned, and help provide uh, the transparency necessary for efficient markets to operate. And then within the times that we're in due to COVID that we're seeing worldwide, many folks wondered and asked about consistency when it came to delivering product and what the Foreign Ag Service has been doing with communications. 
Everyone knows we're living in unprecedented times right now with the COVID pandemic. But one thing that isn't unprecedented is the delivery of U.S. soybean production. U.S. farmers, uh, as I gave you the statistic before, have continued to plant and uh, will harvest uh, a robust soybean crop. And we've made this supply through the pandemic. We can connect our farmers to uh, the supply chain and to our customers, all of you around the world. Uh, we really value the relationships that we've built with importers all over the world. Uh, and we enjoy trying to grow those relationships through in-person meetings, virtual meetings. Uh, we do capacity building with some of our programming called Food for Progress, where we uh, engage with foreign countries on poultry projects, aquaculture projects that consume soybeans and again build demand around the world. We are very focused on maintaining free, fair, and reciprocal trade. We do that through trade agreements. A couple to note, uh, the U.S.-China Phase 1 agreement that's currently being implemented with a lot of attention on that one. We, uh, we had previously signed, and it just went into effect July 1, the U.S.-Canada-Mexico agreement. Uh, that supports roughly $80 billion in total agricultural trade, with roughly $40 billion of exports coming out of the United States of agricultural products. I could go on and include Japan. Some key priorities that are ongoing are a U.S.-U.K. free trade agreement, a U.S.-Kenya free trade agreement. During this morning's webinar, Administrator Isley was asked, what is the U.S. government doing to continue to keep demand in place? Yeah, obviously we are monitoring very closely. Um, you know, I talked about information. Uh, to date, uh, Foreign Agriculture Service has issued 413 gain reports uh, focused on the impacts of COVID. So all of those posts out there are busy collecting information and publishing uh, the impacts of that. Well, obviously, we're in an industry that is, that is absolutely essential to the world. We're into, into production, which will continue uh, regardless of the pandemic. And what we're seeing is somewhat of a shift in uh, that consumption as consumers have stopped going out to restaurants or, you know, in some places they're now kind of restarting uh, in a phased approach, but much more going through retail grocery ch food chains and all. So that impacts uh, the types of products that uh, consumers are eating. Those comments from Foreign Ag Service Administrator Ken Isley. And he said, like everybody else, they're doing a lot of work virtually. I'm Susan Littlefield, the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bob Brogan with the Business Report. Stocks are higher on Wall Street as traders start off a busy week for company earnings reports. On a positive note, the Dow Industrials at last check up 525 points, the Nasdaq Composite up 180 points, and the S&P 500 up 47. Quest Diagnostics is seeing growing demand for its COVID-19 testing services, though at a cost. The company says that second quarter testing volumes in its base business excluding COVID-19 molecular and antibody testing, 
declined approximately 34% from a year ago, according to preliminary results. Quest received $65 million in the second quarter from the initial batch of funds that were appropriated to health care providers under the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act. The Munchies are real in quarantine with PepsiCo reporting its snack sales rose in the second quarter, while beverage sales declined. Sales for the Frito-Lay division climbed 7% in the period, while Quaker Foods revenue increased 23%. The North American Beverage Unit experienced a 7% decline in revenue. The average U.S. price of regular-grade gasoline increased by two cents over the past two weeks to $2.24 per gallon. That's 59 cents below the average pump price from a year ago. Industry analyst Trilby Lundberg of the Lundberg Survey says the increase comes as crude oil prices rise. The highest average price in the nation for regular-grade gas is $3.20 per gallon in the San Francisco area. The lowest average is $1.79 in Houston. The average price of diesel is $2.54, down a penny from two weeks ago. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rogan. KRVN, 93.1 The River, and Cami have always blazed new trails. This year is no different. We're giving you a chance to win a brand new Chevrolet Blazer. And not just any Blazer. A 2020 Blazer loaded with extra details like tinted windows and a custom paint job. For your first look, go to krvn.com and check it out. Be listening because we'll be giving more details on how you can get registered to win the Blazer this fall. We are blazing new trails. Thanks to these partners. Eustace Body Shop, Eustace, Cozad, Lexington, Kearney, Grand Island, and Lincoln. Heartland Chevrolet and Buick, Lexington. Nutrien Ag Solutions. Suretop Angus and Charlet, Farnham. Cornerstone Bank. Member FDIC. With 43 locations serving Nebraska. Central Valley Irrigation. Holdridge, Lexington, Kearney. Nebraska Land, Kansas Land, Colorado Land Tire Group. And Lexington Regional Health Center. Last week, high school juniors and seniors celebrated the 49th annual Nebraska Agricultural Youth Institute. The event, which is typically a week-long in-person conference hosted at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's East Campus, was held in a virtual format this year due to coronavirus concerns. I'm visiting with Kaylee Grabenstein, a returning delegate for NAYI 2020. Kaylee, NAYI looked a little different this year. Tell us about attending the event in the virtual format. I was part of the Button Glenet group. So we all kind of have um, different areas that we are in, and we have different head counselors. And then the leaders this year were Courtney Nelson and Felicia Knitzer, and then, of course, Kristen Cam. So they did an awesome job um, just putting everything up online for us. We got to um, watch videos all day long. They actually had seven days' worth of videos if we watched them for 12 hours straight. So, I mean, that's pretty awesome. But we got to kind of um, pick and choose what we wanted to watch and just anything that interested us. And then every night at 7 p.m., we got together with our group, and we got to play some games with each other, have some icebreakers. And then we also got to play the farm management game. So, basically, you just play real life. (laughs) You can contract stuff, pick what you plant, alfalfa, wheat, corn, soybeans, if you have feedlot cattle, anything like that. And then we also had a college panel. The juniors met with some 
um, other college students and then the seniors also met with different college students and we just got to talk about different things that we had questions about going into college, what to expect. So we just got an hour to chat with those guys and just so informational. How has NAYI impacted your plans and your college decision-making process? NAYI has really, really impacted me. That's actually how I decided my major. I was really interested in ag ed and um, animal science, and I went to both aspects of it, and I was like, man, like these are both really awesome things to do just on campus and um, just to experience those. And the more I got into it, I was like, man, I'm really, really leaning towards animal science. And so now I actually am going into an animal science degree and specializing in equine science. Tell us about some of the speakers that you got to listen to throughout the week. We just got to like get on when we wanted to and just listen to the speakers that we would like to. And I know a lot of them, they were just amazing. And they basically like just helped us where we are in the world. It's kind of hard, especially for the ag industry. And so they just kind of like helped us and they put something in our heads to be like, you know, like we're agriculture, like we can dig, like this is what we do. So I attended NAYI when I was in high school and it's a great networking opportunity. How did you interact with the other delegates? So um, a lot of the times we started out with like icebreakers, fun things to do. And we asked just random questions, but we just kind of all got on the Zoom chats and we would talk a little bit at the beginning and get to know each other. And then actually our farm management game really helped us to get to know each other because we all had input on what we wanted to do. And then we just, it was so much fun. And we still got to interact well. And we also, they gave us a book with everyone's like information on it. And it has like um, ways that we could reach out to each other. So that's really awesome too. So that way we can look each other up and be like, oh, like, I remember and like just connections that we made. So it was super awesome. Once again, that was Kaylee Grabenstein recapping this year's virtual Nebraska Agricultural Youth Institute. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton inviting you to take a productive visit to KRVN Cattlemen. 100% beef oriented, KRVN Cattlemen brings you expertise from across the plains in audio and video spotlights featuring industry innovators. Handy Nebraska, Kansas, and cattle resources including the inventory, cattle on feed, and slaughter numbers you need. Plus hay reports for five states. You'll find a complete directory of upcoming auctions and private treaty sales. Click on the link for KRVN Cattlemen on the right front column of the homepage at krvn.com. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's look at the closing grain futures with John with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst for Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, to start off the week, grains following suit with what they did Friday, and that is moved lower, being led by those soybeans. Is this more a market or is this more a weather driven rally? Yeah, I, you know, spec shorts. I think a lot of folks the spec position, especially in soybeans. It really dwindled, so there's there was actually some length in the market as of last week, and I think you're just seeing some of those folks get squeezed out. Combined with the reality of the corn weather that had been put in, I don't even know if you can call it being put in. I guess the crop progress report, the the grain stocks reports two weeks ago that I just saw a lot of selling on that, and just not a whole lot of news to support the board here. And I think we're probably stuck in the best case scenario sideways pattern. I'd like to think that we can come back up and fill that gap from last night, though. So I'm not. I'm not telling everybody to go sell everything this moment. 
you know, we're only a, a couple weeks away from being back at first notice day, and typically we like to sell into that as well. So is this something, if you haven't got prepared, start preparing up for that point. Is that a likely fall in a similar pattern? Yeah, I'm still listening to this. If you listen to this, this time of the day, you know, the affiliation I have for, for trading around delivery, I think there's there's tremendous amount of opportunity there. Um, it's It just wouldn't supply, but needs the road. But in the short run here, nobody has to make any decisions. Nobody's forced. Um, that'll come closer to the, the end of August. So, you know, weather looks good right now. Two weeks ago, it didn't look good. It could change very quickly here. We're calling for a lot of heat out west. If those rains in you know center part of Iowa don't develop, then maybe we're talking about a different story next week. But at this point, it's pretty tough to, to talk about drought. There's really no drought to speak of, at least this way. Uh, and the weather is moderated to the point where it's only about 75 degrees out right now. So, um, you know, traders are really struggling to find something to buy and, and really want to hold on to. I think if you're looking for something bullish, you just say crude oil continue to hang above 40 bucks, and you know that may may you know support the more normalization of prices down the road. But I think we've got to get through. We just have to get through that that you know time period when all of this, these bushels come to delivery. You need to clear right away. I think prices are going to have to stay low just to keep some of it off the market. Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing. John, before we let you go, as we are starting to go forward here, what's going to be the next thing? Crown Progress this afternoon. Can we lose some percentage points in that good excellent and still be okay? Yeah, I'd expect us to lose some tonight. We're, we've got such a good cushion, especially in states like Iowa. We can probably lose five, six points, not matter. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think you'll see the crop you know, keep the ratings, and really it's about what next week and the following week. Right now, this weather has to be what the farmers are looking for as far as supply. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing. More at DanielZagMarketing.com. To remember, train futures options involves risk of loss. All right, thank you very much, Clay. Well, that'll wrap up today's edition of Midday. If you miss anything or want to rehear any of our interview segments, you can listen to the Midday Podcast available on iTunes or KRVN.com. Our Midday Podcast is sponsored by Deveni Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Deveni Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.